The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to worship. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Jordan. I was on staff for four years here at All Saints, and in June, I became the RUF campus minister at the University of Texas here in town. And it's really, really wonderful to be back with you and to see your faces as we continue in our sermon series in the book of Acts. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see Jesus, just as you did to the two men at Emmaus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, for over a year now, we've been having this conversation as a country, and the conversation began with the death of George Floyd, and the conversation continued through the election season last fall, and it escalated this past spring with the shootings of Asian Americans in Atlanta. And it's a conversation that's taken place on the court at NBA games and on TV with Coke commercials and on school boards and at PTA meetings. And that conversation more or less is this. How do we create a more inclusive society? How do we create a society for others? And what I want to say this morning, what I believe we see not only this morning but throughout the book of Acts, is that only Christianity possesses the resources for creating such a society. Only Christianity empowers human beings to fully embrace the other, whoever the other might be. Consider this. As others report, in the year 1910, nearly all of the Christians in the world looked like you and me. 81% of Christians in the world in 1910 lived in Europe or North America. But today, those numbers have changed, like, a lot. Today, 25% of Christians live in Central America, South America, or the Caribbean. 22% live in Africa. 15% live in Asia, and only 12% live in North America. By 2050, North America and Europe will make up only 25% of the world's Christians. And by comparison, Sub-Saharan Africa will have close to 40% of the world's Christians. And this morning, the gospel goes to Africa for the first time. And so I want us to ask, how do we become a church for others? 
Not because it's like cool or hipster or in vogue to talk about inclusivity, but because it's just what God does. So how do we at All Saints and as a church in Austin become a church for others? That's our question. And our first answer we see in our passage is through the scriptures, the scriptures. Returning to our passage, I want us to see that Philip has here like a dream Bible study, okay? He overhears a man reading the scriptures. The man looks at him and says, I don't understand this. Please help me. And that's the, like the line that every pastor longs to hear. And the man just so happens to be reading this amazing passage in Isaiah that is like a high watermark in the Old Testament. It's just dripping with Christ and crucifixion imagery. And really, it's a fastball right down the middle, and Philip smashes it over the left field wall, and the Ethiopian becomes a Christian. Dream Bible study. And you might say this is a coincidence, or you might say that this is simply what happens when you read the Bible. I mean, friends, the Bible is alive, and it breathes. When you open the Bible with other people, things happen. So to become a church for others, we must read the scriptures. And our passage shows us that we must read the scriptures in a specific way. First of all, we must read the scriptures corporately, which is to say with other people. Notice what the eunuch says when Philip asks him if he understands what he is reading. He says, how can I unless someone else guides me? He's saying, I need to read the Bible with others. And yet many of us in America, we love to read the Bible by ourselves. So we like take our Bible and our little journals to the woods and we like sit by a creek and we sip our coffee and we do our quiet time. We take a selfie. And this is all well and good, okay? I mean, like, God, you really should read the Bible alone, okay? And because God is your lover and it is good to be alone with him. But to truly understand the scriptures, we must read the Bible with other people. And this is one of the reasons why we have to go to church. Because we don't know everything. We need people to help us. So friends, don't just read the Bible individually, but read it corporately. Second, we must read the Bible cross-culturally. Which is to say, not just with others, but alongside people who are not like us. And we'll look at this more later, but just notice for a second how different Philip and the eunuch are. This is a cross-cultural Bible study. So if you're a man, it is good to read the Bible with women. If you're married, it is good to read the Bible with singles. If you're white, it's good to learn the Bible from people who are black or Latino or Asian. It is good to hear what people from other cultures say about the Bible. It is good to hear what people who lived centuries ago, hundreds of years ago, have to say about the Bible. Read it cross-culturally. But third, and most important, read the scriptures Christocentrically, which is to say, read the scriptures with Christ as the center and not you. It was a groundbreaking moment, of course, in world history when we realized that the cosmos does not, in fact, revolve around the earth, but around the sun. And likewise, friends, the scriptures will truly come alive for you when you realize that they are not about you, but about Jesus. We see this both in our Acts passage and in our gospel passage. In the Acts passage, Philip says that Isaiah is about Jesus. And in Luke, Jesus says to the men at Emmaus that all the scriptures are about Jesus. Friends, the Bible is about God. So if you read something strange from Leviticus or Ezekiel and you say, that just doesn't apply to me, that's actually precisely the point. 
Because when you read the Bible, you shouldn't be asking, how does this apply to me? But how do I apply my life to the Bible? When you read the Bible, you're entering a strange new world that's not about you. And so it makes us less private, less selfish, less concerned with our own circumstances and our own behavior, and more concerned with God, and more concerned with those he has called us to love. So how do we become a church for others? It must start with the scriptures. But secondly, it must also include embracing the sacraments. The sacraments. And by the sacraments, I mean here baptism and the Lord's Supper. Because in Acts, we have baptism. And then in Luke, we have Jesus taking communion with the men at Emmaus. So, the sacraments. After the best Bible study ever, Philip and the eunuch arrive at this watering hole in the desert. And the eunuch asks Philip, what prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me from being baptized? And this is actually an interesting question because the answer is actually a lot. As Will Willimon says, there's plenty to hold him back from being baptized. He is not a Jew, he is an Ethiopian. He is a eunuch all the way from the end of the earth. He has had no instruction in the faith. He is of another race and nationality. And after all, if you read the Old Testament and specifically the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find there that eunuchs were specifically prohibited from entering the Jewish temple. So by the standards of the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, the answer is no. The eunuch may not be baptized. And you need to understand that before Christ, the same is true of you and me. See, because most of us are of European descent, not African descent, it's easy to think that of the two men in this passage, we are more like Philip than the Ethiopian. But really, it's the other way around, because Philip is the insider here, and the eunuch is the outsider. And before Christ, you and I were outsiders. We were Gentiles outside the family of God, separated from God both in our sin and in our ethnicity. But friends, the good news of the gospel is that God in Christ has made a way for others, and he's made a way for those outside to come in. Because what happens when you're baptized? You're invited into the family, and God looks down on you from heaven and says, you're my beloved son and daughter with whom I'm well pleased. And what do we say as a congregation every time a child is baptized? We welcome you into the household of God. Our baptism reminds us that we are no longer out but in, and we who were once other are not anymore. So the sacraments, though, are not just vertical, and they're not just about our relationship with God. They're also horizontal and about our relationship with others. How? How is this true? How are the sacraments horizontal? Well, first of all, baptism reminds us that, yes, we are now in the family, but so are people as strange and far away as the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that yes, Christ's death has brought us into union with God, but his death has also brought us into union with people as strange and far away as the Ethiopian eunuch. So when our lips touch the cup, so do the lips of those as strange and far away as the Ethiopian eunuch. And when the bread sits in our mouth, it also sits in the mouth of those as strange and far away as the Ethiopian eunuch. So the sacraments are vertical, yes, but they're also horizontal. And more than anything else in the world, baptism and the Lord's Supper are tangible reminders for us that God desires a church for others, and that we should too.
And so while it's wonderful to see All Saints baptizing our babies and covenant children on Easter and Pentecost, we should also desire to see outsiders be baptized and to see strange people walk through these doors and to see adults be baptized and to welcome them too into the household of God. And while one of the best things about All Saints is that you spread the table of communion each and every Sunday, we should also desire to see strange people join us for that feast. Because remember what we say every week, as this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. So would you like to be a church for others? Embrace the sacraments. And our third answer is scriptures, sacraments, and also suffering, suffering. And here I want to remind you for a second where we are in Acts, okay? So uh, Paul has led a persecution against Christians in Jerusalem, and Stephen, one of the early Christian leaders, has, have, has been stoned. And so Christians such as Philip are scattered, and they're fleeing Jerusalem, they're heading out into the desert. Why? Because they're suffering. And friends, I'm more and more convinced that the only way Christians such as you and me will ever move out towards others is if we suffer. The only way we will ever leave the comforts of Jerusalem, head out to meet people in the desert, is if we suffer. When I was a sophomore in college, I first started thinking about being a pastor. And when I was a junior in college, I fell into a deep depression. And I got on medication, and I started going to counseling, and I was like really, really deeply ashamed. And I remember talking to my REF minister at the time and asking him, does my depression disqualify me from being a pastor? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, no, it actually qualifies you even more because now you will learn compassion. And now because you have suffered, you will be able to join others in their suffering, whether it's depression or whatever it might be. And friends, when we suffer, something happens. When we suffer, we recognize that our lives are not our own, that control is an illusion, and that we are not and never have been in control of our lives. And in that moment, and in that realization, it leads us to a crossroads. Suffering leads us to a crossroads in which we can either turn in or we can turn out. We can either retreat in fear and self-protection and isolation, or we can go out. We can go out into the desert and we can meet others who are suffering like ourselves. Because think about it. What is the one thing that unites every human being in the world besides sin? It is suffering. And it's why Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who himself knew a thing or two about suffering, once said, we must learn to regard people not so much in light of what they believe, but in light of what they suffer. See, most of us, we regard people in light of what they believe. Do they think like me? Do they vote like me? Do they act like me? Do they talk like me? But Christians regard people in light of what they suffer. Because at the heart of our faith is a cross with a man of sorrows dying and bleeding out. In the words of our passage, led like a sheep to the slaughter who was denied justice and whose life was taken away from the earth. That's the heart of our faith. And because persecution is the specific context of Acts, I do want to talk about this specific form of suffering, persecution, for a second, okay? So um, as many of you know, our world and even our city are, like, changing really fast, right? And I know that many of you are increasingly afraid of being persecuted, and you're afraid of what it will mean to be a Christian or for your children to be a Christian in the year, say, 2050. 
And I confess that like, I really don't know the answer to that question. But I do know that we must not let the fear of suffering and persecution keep us from our neighbors. To become a church for others, we must allow our persecution to form within us not fear, but compassion. Because everyone suffers. Democrats suffer and Republicans suffer. Whites suffer, blacks suffer, Asians suffer. Americans suffer, Latinos suffer, Africans suffer. Everyone suffers. In our passage, we have Philip who has been persecuted. We have the eunuch who has been castrated. And we have Christ slaughtered and hanging on a cross. Everyone suffers. Many of you have read Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory. And if you have, you'll remember that the main character in that story is this man, the whiskey priest. And he's a fascinating character because he's a whiskey priest. Uh, And he's this Catholic priest living in Mexico who is suffering both from alcoholism, but also from persecution. Because these communist rulers have come in and they've taken over Mexico, they've outlawed religion and they've outlawed Catholicism. And so throughout the story, the whiskey priest is on the run. He's on the run, he's serving the Eucharist behind closed doors in secret. He's fleeing for his life and he's trying to get to freedom across the border before it's too late. And at the end of the story, he makes it. He crosses the border and he's free again. He's safe again, finally free to preach the gospel in peace and administer the sacraments in peace. But when he's finally safe, something interesting happens to him. He wishes he could go back because he realizes that the persecution created in him a deeper and more urgent and intense love, not only for God, but also for the parishioners under his care. And so he wishes he could go back. So we began this morning by asking a question, that is how do we become a church for others? And so far we've seen a few answers. We become a church for others, first of all through the scriptures, then through the sacraments, and then through our own suffering. And now I want to give you one more answer. To become a church for others, it can only happen through the Spirit. The Spirit. Returning to our Acts passage, I want you to notice that although our Bibles call this story Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that is actually a terrible name for our passage. Because neither of those two men, Philip or the Ethiopian eunuch, is the main character in this story. Just look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Look at verse 29, where the spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And then look at verse 39, where it says the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Why does the eunuch just so happen to be reading one of the richest passages in the Old Testament, the spirit? Why does there just so happen to be a pool of water in the middle of the desert the second the eunuch wants to be baptized? The spirit. Friends, the main character in the story is not Philip or the Ethiopian eunuch, but it is the spirit. And that's for the better. Because without the spirit, these two men would never have touched each other or come near each other. I mean, Jews were taught that pagans, Gentiles like the Ethiopian eunuch were dirty and they made you ceremonially unclean. The eunuch is racially other, he's sexually other. Something, someone like Philip, someone like you or me, never would have touched the eunuch with a 10-foot pole. But God does. And so the Spirit says to Philip, rise and go. Go over and join the chariot and draw near to this strange man. Sit in the chariot with him and be close to him, because he too is mine. Friends, the church is a chariot and the Spirit is driving, and it is going out to the ends of the world, 
and it is welcoming in strange people whether we like it or not. So this morning, it is not a matter of if God will create a church for others. It is only a matter of whether we will join him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who became a strange, suffering, Aramaic man so that you might welcome us, poor, sinful, suffering men and women, far away from you and our sin, into your family. And so we ask that we would be a people known by our love and our compassion, and more, most importantly, the good news of your gospel. Pour out your spirit upon us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.